everyone, welcome back to the second episode of Linklaters Asia Bytesite Antitrust Podcast 2023. I am Kathleen Gui from Linklaters Asia Antitrust team. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by our friends, Shan Hong Xing from Bay Kim and Lee in South Korea, and Sona Matur from TTNA in India. Antitrust enforcement in digital markets remains a burning hot topic globally. Competition authorities are still exploring how best to effectively ensure competitive digital markets, whether it should be by way of ex-ante regulations, for example, the EU Digital Markets Act, or through ex-post enforcement. In this podcast, we will be focusing on the recent enforcement trends in these markets in Asia. We are pleased to have Sanhon and Sonam to bring us the latest updates in South Korea and India, the two most active antitrust jurisdictions in this space. We'll then wrap up by looking at the trends in the rest of Asia. Sanhun, can you kick off by telling us the key developments in South Korea? Thanks for the introduction, Keith. Antitrust enforcement in digital markets has kept the Korea Fair Trade Commission fairly busy. Earlier this year, the authority issued its guidelines for a review of abusive market dominance by online platform operators. These review guidelines provide guidance on how characteristics of online platforms may be relevant to dominance assessment. For example, the guidelines recognize various factors that may significantly affect the competitive landscape in online platform markets, such as network effect, economies of scale, importance of data, and competence from free service. The guidelines also name certain types of conducts that may amount to abuse. These are the usual suspect in digital market cases. For example, restriction of multi-homing, most favored nation clauses, self-preferencing, and time. The good news is the guidelines also recognize that some of this conduct would generate efficiencies. That's very interesting, Sanhong. You mentioned active enforcement by the authority. What are the types of cases that have been scrutinized by the Korean authority? Taking a step back in terms of enforcement targets, both international companies such as Apple and Google and Korean-based companies such as Kakao and Naver are all on the authority's radar. I think the authority here is most concerned how dominant companies may leverage their dominance in one market in order to expand it to other related markets. For example, in February this year, the KFTC imposed roughly 20 million US dollar fines on Kakao Mobility for abusing its dominant position. Kakao Mobility is a dominant player in the mobile ride-hailing market in Korea and is also participating in the adjacent taxi franchise market. The KFTC accused Kakao Mobility of manipulating its ride-hailing algorithm to give preferential treatment to its franchise cap. On the other hand, Google had been the subject of a number of abuse investigations. For example, earlier this year, Google was fined for allegedly providing benefits to game companies on the conditions that they do not deal with Google's competitors. Sanhon, it sounds like the Korean authorities' areas of concerns in digital markets are more or less in line with the EU and US regulators. Based on our observations, the Korea Fair Trade Commission, however, may have an even wider power 
as they can potentially bring actions against big tech for conduct that do not necessarily amount to abuse of dominance. I understand that big tech may, in theory, fall foul of abuse of superior bargaining power. Yes, this is a very good point. Under the Korean competition law, not only abuse of market dominance position, but also abuse of superior bargaining power may be sanctioned by the KFTC. And this refers to not only the big tech, but also all industry as well. The major difference between the two regulations is that the latter may be sanctioned even if the perpetrator does not have a market dominant position, as long as it has a superior bargaining power vis-a-vis a particular transaction counterparty. For example, just in September this year, Broadcom was being fined uh, $14 million U.S. million for abusing its superior bargaining position over Samsung Electronics. Broadcom allegedly forced Samsung into unfair long-term contracts under which Samsung was obligated to buy a certain amount of crucial parts from Broadcom, depriving it of freedom to buy the products from a competitor of Broadcom. Thanks, Sanhon. Let us now turn to another part of Asia. Sona, I understand that the Competition Commission of India has been making headlines and is known for its aggressive enforcement against a number of key players in the digital markets. Indeed, Kath. There are several ongoing investigations by the CCI in various digital markets like e-commerce, online food delivery, news and ad tech, app store payment policies, as well as smart TVs. Late last year, the CCI had also imposed substantial fines, which is approximately 270 million US dollars on Google. And this was in two separate cases. The first one was regarding Google's alleged abusive conduct in the Android OS market, then Android app store market and online search market to protect its market position in these markets and impose unfair and unnecessary obligations on device manufacturers. In the second investigation, Google was found to have leveraged its dominance in the Android OS market and App Store market to mandate app developers to use its proprietary in-app payment system and payment application to the exclusion of competitors. Both these orders of the CCI are currently in appeal before higher courts in India. I understand that in addition to competition enforcement, the Competition Amendment Act 2023 passed by the Indian Parliament earlier this year also contained provisions that may have an impact on the tech industry and as far as we understand were actually introduced to target them. That's correct, Kat. The Amendment Act introduced deal value thresholds. So this is a new standalone threshold to the Indian merger control regime. So if a deal with Indian Nexus meets the deal value threshold, which is USD 0.24 billion, the CCI notification requirement will be triggered. And this means companies can no longer rely on the de minimis or small target exemption when acquiring companies with limited Indian assets or turnover. As some of you may know, assets and turnovers sometimes do not accurately reflect the value of certain companies like tech companies as well as pharma companies. The new threshold is expected to catch such transactions. And although the thresholds were introduced to target tech, the threshold will be applied in a sector agnostic manner now. 
In fact, in the recently issued draft regulations for deal value thresholds, the Indian nexus requirement that has been proposed is clarified. The target in India is required to have 10% or more of its global total users, subscribers, customers, or visitors in the last year, or 10% or more of its global gross merchandise value in the last year, or 10% or more of its global turnover in the last financial year. Further, the amendment also empowers the CCI to impose a penalty of up to 10% of the global turnover of the infringing parties. This would include products and geographies that may not have been a subject matter of the infringement. And this will obviously have a significant impact on the big tech companies because they have global presence and many business lines. And on, in the same vein, the amendment has also introduced settlement and commitment mechanisms, which would perhaps allow these parties to address CCI's concerns with remedies and give them an ability to minimize their exposure to penalties. It seems that despite active enforcement and the changes in the antitrust legislation, the Indian government is also proposing drastic legislative development specific to the digital market space. Is, is that right, Sona? As is happening around the world, it's being assessed in India whether the existing antitrust rules are sufficient to cope with the changing landscape in the digital sector. In December last year, the Parliamentary Committee had recommended an ex-ante legislation which is quite similar to the EU's DMA, Digital Markets Act, to regulate the digital market in India. In fact, a committee on digital competition law was constituted to evaluate this recommendation and also other laws which are regulating digital markets. And their report is expected to be published shortly. There are substantial policy debates also which are going on on the necessity and timing of ex-ante laws in India. Uh, but at this stage, it's quite unclear in what shape or form the draft legislation will come out as. But it's evident that the government does recognize that there is a need to have special legislation to regulate digital markets in India. Thanks, Sona. Before we wrap up, I think it's also worth mentioning to our audience what we have been observing in the rest of Asia. The authorities across the region tend to prefer to use the competition law tools to address potential antitrust issues in the digital markets instead of ex-ante approach that we, we have just discussed with Sonam. So, for example, the Singapore Competition Commission had amended its guidelines to include clarifications specific to digital markets. Other authorities in the region will likely also follow suit. Um, the Taiwan Fair Trade Commission and the Thai Trade Competition Commission have indicated that they may also issue guidelines specific to digital markets. Japan may be an exception here and seems to be more willing to take an ex-ante approach to tackle the digital issues. A couple of years ago, the Japanese government introduced regulations to improve transparency and fairness of digital platforms, and it is also currently considering potential new regulations to regulate mobile ecosystems. Keith, did you observe any common themes among these Asian regulators in terms of their enforcement? Oh, that's a very good question, Sanhong. Antitrust regulators in the region seems to be somehow inspired by each other, and sometimes we have seen similar cases being brought by the authorities across Asia, for example, online good delivery platform is a good example. It has been subject to investigations in Thailand, Hong Kong, and Taiwan. We should, however, be cautious that antitrust regulators do not necessarily take uniform stance. For example, 
Typically, antitrust authority would regard that narrow, most favored nation clauses are permissible to address free-riding issues. The Taiwan Fair Trade Commission, however, in its online food delivery platform case, considered that the imposition of narrow, most favored nation clauses is anti-competitive. This is a good reminder that why we need to take into account specific precedents and different enforcers' appetites when considering the cases even if they may involve similar conduct. Thanks, Sonam and Sanhong, for joining us and for giving us very interesting updates in the region. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us and we'll be happy to discuss further. In the next episode, we'll be having Marcus and Sutipong Kohasane from our Bangkok office, together with Lin Bui from Allen's, to discuss latest merger control trends in Southeast Asia. Thanks for listening and goodbye.